You're listening to the podcast for Asbury United Methodist Church. Join us every Sunday for worship at 8.30 or 10.45. Find out more at asburybosier.org. Well, good morning. Uh, It's good to be with you. We've had a crazy morning already. For some reason, the live stream wasn't working this morning. Uh, Our computer ran an update overnight, and we lost power during the week. It's just been kind of, it's been an interesting week. (laughs) It's been an interesting year to be alive, uh, but it is good to be with you. As we conclude our series on canoeing the mountains today, our scripture lesson comes from the Gospel of Luke, the seventh chapter, beginning with verse 31. It'll be on the screens, it'll be online, and it's also in your Bible. Let us hear the word of the Lord. To what then will I compare the people of this generation? And what are they like? They are like children sitting in the marketplace and calling to one another. We played the flute for you, and you did not dance. We wailed, and you did not weep. For John the Baptist has come eating no bread and drinking no wine, and you say he has a demon. And the Son of Man has come eating and drinking, and you say, look, he's a glutton and a drunkard and a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Nevertheless, wisdom is vindicated by all her children. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So here's the roadmap if you've been tuned in for the last few weeks. Understanding uncharted territory, being on the map, and then being off the map begins with a faithful assumption, reassessing purpose, followed by fruitful action. Then we're called to be experts in who we are, lean into competing values, embrace loss, and then keep things simple. This is the roadmap of understanding uncharted territory, being an expert on being on the map and then venturing off the map into where God is calling you. The last step in this journey is transformation. That is the heart of the gospel, is it not? Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. But truth be told, I feel like I have to preach uh, the conclusion of this uh, worship series like 20 years from now. (laughs) Because transformation is about what have we learned? What have we done? What have we done right? What have we done tragically wrong? How are things different? It's not quite a sermon that I can give today. So I've marked my calendar for 2040, when Asbury celebrates our 50th anniversary, uh, to conclude this service, (laughs) this this, uh, series. What have we learned? What did we do right? What What did we do tragically wrong? How did we venture off the map and and, and continue to proclaim the gospel. But since you're here, there are some things about transformation that we can live into. Our scripture lesson today is is in the heart of Luke chapter 7. It's right in the middle, and it's surrounded by Jesus revealing the kingdom of God. To what will I compare the people of this generation? What are they like? 
They are like children sitting in a marketplace and calling to one another, we played the flute for you and you did not dance. We wailed and you did not weep. This is the heart of this revealing of the kingdom. The way Jesus does this, at least in the seventh chapter of of Luke's gospel, Jesus reveals the kingdom through healing. Not just physical healing, but a healing of the community itself. Transformation is creating an environment in which healing can happen. Both healing of the other and the healing of our own soul. For example, at the beginning of Luke chapter 7, a centurion, who is a Roman soldier, a centurion's slave is ill. So the centurion sends word to Jesus so that his servant may be healed. This is what it says. After Jesus had finished saying all these things in the hearing of the people, he entered Capernaum, which is Jesus' kind of home base in terms of Jesus' ministry. It's just in the north of uh, the Sea of Galilee. A centurion there had a slave whom he valued highly. And the slave was ill and close to death. Now understand... This word here, this Greek word here for valued highly, it's entimos, E-N-T-I-M-O-S, entimos, which is not a monetary value. So already in this text, the rules of society are bending. The centurion doesn't want Jesus to heal the slave because the slave has a monetary value to his estate. Entimos means honored or uh, great esteem. This servant in the centurion's household is honored by their family and greatly loved. Jesus, heal our servant, intimos. It's not money. It's not property in this case. It is one who is highly honored Furthermore, Jesus is entertaining a centurion. You're not supposed to do that. (laughs) The centurion, understand that the Holy Land, Jerusalem, is, is being occupied by the Roman authorities. And this is a soldier of that occupying force. And he sends word to Jesus, heal the one who is highly honored in my household. And Jesus says, yes. Jesus reaches out to the outsider. Jesus reaches out to the occupier. Jesus reaches out to the slave in the occupier's home and offers healing because that is the kingdom of God. In fact, Jesus says to the centurion, after hearing of the centurion's faith, nowhere in all of Israel have I seen such faith. He lifts up the example of the occupying soldier as an example of faith. For the people of Israel. This kind of thing gets you in hot water with the religious authorities of your own people. But then the story continues. Jesus then goes to the city of Nain, N A I N, the city of Nain, and there is a funeral procession, and there is a widow who has lost her son. In the cultural context of the time, being a widow means that you have nothing, typically. And now her son which would then be her sole provider, is now dead. 
Jesus interrupts the funeral procession and he places his hands on the funeral bier and raises her son back to life. The people are astonished. Yes, they are astonished because Jesus has brought someone back to life, but he's not supposed to be able to do that. He put his hand on the, on the funeral bier, which means he is ritualistically unclean in that moment. Jesus becomes unclean and can still do the work of God. The rules in Luke chapter 7 are bending. The rules concerning the way we assume the world to be. If Jesus is unclean, you can't perform the activity of God. Jesus' healings are not just for the healing of the body. They are a teaching moment for the community. And it's also a healing for the community. It's not just him raising someone from the dead. He is giving this woman her place back in society. It is a healing of the very community itself. And he does it all while being ritualistically unclean. That is the power of God. That is the kingdom of God. You cannot mar God as hard as you might try. Jesus loves you even if you're not loving Jesus back. That is how powerful and graceful God is. Transformation is creating an environment where healing can happen. The story continues. After we hear this uh, about uh, the children in the marketplace, uh, we were uh, playing the, the, the flute and you did not dance and we were mourning and you, and you did not weep. We hear about Jesus going to a Pharisee's house. His name is Simon. Uh, and while there, a woman of ill repute approaches Jesus and she weeps and she cleans his feet with her tears and she wipes his feet with her hair and she anoints his feet with alabaster. And then the Pharisee, I love it, the scripture says, the Pharisee said to himself, how do we know what the Pharisee is saying to himself? That's weird. We hear this inner monologue. And it's because probably you could read it on the Pharisee's face. I, I know that we're wearing masks these days, but you can tell when people are disgusted with something, can't you? It says, the Pharisee says to himself, if this was a prophet, he would know what kind of woman this is that is touching him. <laughs> so then Jesus says, Simon... I have something I'd like to tell you. There's a man who lent money to two other men. He gave 500 bucks to one and he gave 50 bucks to the other. And then the man forgave the debt. Who's more thankful? Well, Simon says, well, the one whose debt was greater. Jesus says, you're right. Well done. By the way, when I entered in here, uh, into your home, this woman wept, this woman anointed me, this woman offered me hospitality. You offered nothing to me. Rules are bit. I love parables because the endings of parables are often left um, open, open-ended. You might read this. Uh, parable, because, and Jesus does say her sins are many and she has been forgiven. In this parable, who is the one in debt 
to $500? And who is the one that is in debt up to $50? We might assume that this woman of ill repute is the one who is in debt up to $500. I'm not convinced. If you have nothing, 50 bucks is a big deal. Could it be that the Pharisee is the one who has the greater debt because of his own inability to recognize that he thinks he has nothing to fix? Transformation is creating an environment in which healing happens. Healing of the other and the humble practice of recognizing that we need healing too. Let me tell you something, Simon. When I came, you offered nothing. Her sins are forgiven. Oh, are you assuming that her ledger is smaller than yours? Luke 7 really bends the rules of our assumptions of what's going on. That's why Jesus' parables are so masterful. It leaves it open at the end. God in Jesus, so God in the flesh, is playing with the rules. Healing a centurion's servant, healing a widow's son after touching the funeral beer and making himself ritualistically unclean, healing the woman, preaching to the Pharisees, Simon, I have something to say to you. And here at the heart of this chapter, we have children in the marketplace sitting down. That's curious. Have you ever known young kids to sit? <laughs> like, ever? They do when they're mad. Uh, Robert, um, uh, first thing he does when, because, all right, so we have, we have a Nintendo Switch at home. One. How many kids do I have? Four. The math doesn't add up. <laughs> when Robert's turn, when it's Robert's turn to share the Nintendo Switch, the first thing he does is he puts it down, and then he crosses the surface, and he stomps, and then he sits down in protest. So here we have children sitting in the marketplace. They're sitting. Usually children like running around and, and sticking their fingers in light sockets and these kind of things. That's the secret to raising Robert, is just to keep natural selection at bay long enough for him to reproduce. So, you know, but, but when they're mad, he crosses his arm, he's sitting. The children are sitting in the marketplace, and they're like, look, we played the flute for you, and you didn't dance. When we were mourning, you didn't weep. Look, John the Baptist came, and he didn't eat anything, and you thought he was possessed by a demon. And then Jesus comes eating and drinking, and you call him a drunkard. The world doesn't revolve around just you. We've offered ourselves. And you're not listening. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Paul expounds upon this in Romans um, chapter 12, beginning with verse 9. He says this. Let love be genuine Hate what is evil and hold fast to what is good. Love one another with mutual affection. Outdo, I love this, outdo one another in showing honor. 
Do not lag in zeal, be ardent in spirit, serve the Lord, rejoice in hope, be patient when your power is off, I'm sorry, be patient in suffering, persevere in prayer, contribute to the needs of the saints, extend hospitality to strangers, bless those who persecute you, bless, do not curse. And then here's our text, he says, rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. And don't be proud. And do not assume that you are smarter than you are. Storms, hurricanes, tornadoes, hail, uh, tragedy, typically, uh, brings out the best and the worst of us, doesn't it? I remember uh, Hurricane Katrina, um, I was, I was in divinity school, uh, but my family living in Slidell uh, had, my sister had six feet of water in her house for weeks. It was awful. There was a man in Slidell uh, who was uh, allowing people to use his satellite phone uh, to reach loved ones, except he was charging 30 bucks a pop to do it. Listen to Paul, don't, don't do that. Offer yourself to your neighbor. Sometimes these storms bring out the best of us. Uh, like this week, uh, there were countless Asbury members reaching out. Hey, how can I help? What do you need? We have a generator. Uh, come to my house. Our power is on. Uh, we even had here, we had, we had ice at the church. We had coffee and donuts, a place to plug your phone in. Reaching out in concern and service. Taking a cue from Luke chapter 7, it wasn't, hey, I have a generator. If you, wait a minute, are you, are you a centurion? Hey, there's power in my house. Why don't you come? Wait, wait, wait. Who are you voting for? Hey, we have coffee and donuts at the church. You can come. Wait, wait, wait. Um, are, you, are you a woman of ill repute? Transformation is creating an environment in which healing can happen so that the kingdom of God may be revealed. Centurions, widows, women of ill repute, however that is defined. Sometimes moments like this week reveal our true calling to reach out in concern and service to the world, whoever the world is. So are you ready to canoe the mountains? You know, I feel kind of guilty doing a series about canoeing the mountains when like all hell broke loose this week. It's like we've been, we've been preparing for this for several weeks now. Faithful assumption, reassessing purpose, fruitful action. Then be experts in who you are. Close the gap between who you say you are and what you do. Lean into competing values. Have the maturity to embrace loss. Keep things simple. And then seek the transformational power of healing. So that 20 years from now, when Asbury is celebrating our 50th anniversary, and there's another generation preaching, and there's another generation listening, there's another generation leading and serving, 
we will know what we got right. We will know what we got wrong. But above all, we will know that the kingdom of God was seen here. Whether we're on the map or desperately off of it. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all other things shall be granted to you. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Let us pray. Holy and loving God, help us to bend the rules for the sake of your kingdom, for the sake of your healing that you might bring to our people, to our nation, to all who live and breathe. Give us the courage to create an environment in which your spirit may move, whether through us or in spite of us, even if that means getting out of the way. Father, help us to love as Jesus loved, so all might know of your kingdom. We pray this in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.